You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and over the last hundred years, it's been amazing how much Knoxville has grown. Of course, in the last few weeks, we've had on the Knoxville Chamber, we've had on uh, the, the, the good folks that do the Appalachian Unsolved and talk about the growth of Knoxville and how that could lead to great opportunities, but also challenges. And as we've grown over the past century, come challenges of a bigger city life, including crime. And in June, the Knoxville Police Department had a changing of the guard when Paul Noel was hired to lead the city's police department. Prior to joining as the Knoxville Chief of Police, Chief Noel spent 25 years with the New Orleans Police Department, where he served as Chief of Detectives, He oversaw over 200 detectives and overhauled the Homicide Division. He is a nationally recognized advocate of police ethics and speaks at seminars, national conferences, and community meetings. It's a real pleasure to have you with us, Chief Noel. Thank you for taking time out of your calendar. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, great to have you. So we were talking just before we get too into this, Knoxville's new to you. And uh, as I mentioned, you came from New Orleans, and you really had been there pretty much your whole career, right? And and grew up in New Orleans, so this is a new, really new for you. So this is only the second place I've ever lived in my entire <laughs> life. I've worked for the New Orleans Police Department for 25 years, but I've lived all of my 46 years um, in the city of New Orleans. So this is a big move. So um, are you the guy to talk to for great Cajun recipes? So you have to talk to my wife, not me. I, I eat the food. She cooks the food. Okay. Well, we love good, doing a good, uh, you know, kind of low country shrimp bowl. But um, I had a friend years ago that was from New Orleans, a guy I used to sing with. And he talked about some of the things that they would do to catch some sort of crustaceous food i think it was uh crabs that that would be crossing you know maybe from one water to another and there's a highway and they would just go out there and he was just so into all that great cajun food um you certainly came at the hottest time of the year how have you uh, acclimated to knoxville so I, I had to take well and put a jacket on this is what what i call starting to get hot right here so this is not hot at all <laughs> okay. I, can, I can show you i can show you some real heat I'll bet you could. Um, So 25 years in the New Orleans police force where the crime rate, from my understanding, is a lot higher than Knoxville. So how has your experience in a big city translated to the job of running a mid-sized city? So, you know, we're working for 25 years in New Orleans. There's not any problem I'm probably, you know, going to see in Knoxville that I've not seen in my previous 25 years. But one thing I'm very proud of is, you know, when I, you know, moved up into senior leadership in the New Orleans Police Department, end of 2015, we implemented strategies to target violent crime, specifically violent crime, 
And at the end of 2019, we had the lowest number of violence in the city since the 1960s. So I'm really a proud, really very proud to be a part of that. In early 2020, I switched roles to be over our detective unit. And, you know, when you look at some of the violence in New Orleans now, they, you know, kind of walked away from some of the strategies that we built in in, in, the, in those previous years. But I'm very, very proud of my role in reducing violence in New Orleans to the lowest level since the 1960s. And I know we could bring similar violence reduction strategies here to Knoxville. Yeah, that's great uh, track record. I, I know that you are committed to a community-focused, problem-solving police style that builds trust, reduces crime, demonstrates accountability, and maintains a highly motivated workforce. How are you implementing that philosophy here? So there's four key focus areas that I'm focusing on and the leadership team is focusing on as the, the new administration in the police department starts. starts. And that, that is crime reduction, community interaction, culture change, and career development. And everything we do is going to revolve around all four of those things. Obviously, reducing crime is, is our number one priority here in the police department. But how we reduce crime by interacting with the communities is really the most important thing. Community partnerships are critical. Culture, creating a culture of accountability within the organization. Accountability does not mean being heavy-handed on discipline, but it's we're accountable for one another. And when people make low-level mistakes, we step up and we stop them and we deal with them immediately. And, of course, career development is making each employee of the organization the best person they could be long-term. Yeah, you've talked about the difference in accountability and discipline and the difference in a heart mistake and a mind mistake. Uh, you know, most police departments are struggling to fill their staffs, right? And, and Knoxville's no, no different. I mean, we're short. So talk about the balance between discipline and accountability and that but yet you don't want a lot of people leaving right you want to keep the right people in place but we are short of what we're budgeted for for our police department absolutely we're definitely on the staff we're, we're staffed at 358 police officers right now including me our authorized staff at four, is, is 416 so we're a little far off from where we need to be and we're working on that we're recruiting and retention right now but with accountability there's most mistakes, you know, people make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes, Jim. I'm sure you make mistakes as well. We could deal with those mistakes. But, but when police officers and leadership, when they make mistakes and they don't acknowledge them and they, they, they try to hide them or cover them up or when they're untruthful, those are things that, you know, we cannot deal with. But so I want our police officers, when they make a mistake, to come forward and acknowledge them. That's why the, the ABLE training that we were just accepted to, we're the first police department in the state of Tennessee to be accepted into active bystandership for law enforcement. And that's why that training is so important, because we could fix most mistakes, but it's the cover-up and it's the lying that we cannot get past. Absolutely. You just can't have that. Uh, let's talk about personal safety. Violent crimes are on the rise everywhere. Uh, right here in Knoxville, there were 40 reported murders in 2021, according to data from TBI. And that was about a 5% increase from the year before. There was also a 60% increase in reports of people illegally having a gun and a 64% increase in drug violations. Why do you think crime's on the rise here? So I, I'm proud to say so far this year compared to last year that that homicide rate is actually trending down. But, you know, you look historically over a five-year period, our violent crime is up, you know, much, you know, it, it's up like the rest of the country, uh, much higher than, than, than it's normally been. Some of that, I think, has resulted a pandemic. But other parts of that, there's a lot of things that we could do as a police department 
and as a community to, to, to partner together to reduce violent crime. That's why the community trust is so important. When violent crimes happen, our police officers don't have a crystal ball to look into that and see who committed that, those crimes. We need that relationship with the community to help help people you know, come forward when they see and they witness crime to help us solve those incidents. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to ask you about that, Chief Noel, as far as what we as citizens can do to pr- protect ourselves. You're talking about being very cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked a couple of weeks ago about, you, you know, we're in a society where we're not, we tend to get in our bubble a lot more than we did 50 years ago. You know, we're not noticing as much people, things going around us, on around us. You know, we we don't know our neighbors like we used to. Um, so all of that kind of plays together. Talk about the need, though, for the level of trust between Knoxville citizens and the police department. Absolutely. So, you know, building trust and legitimacy within our communities is critical for us to be able to reduce violent crime. And that that's why... We're, I've been out at about two community meetings in, every evening, getting out and talking to people, but not only myself, bringing our police officers and bringing members of our command staff with us to be able to meet people. I was really proud when I've been doing my ride-alongs, riding with police officers, to see that our police officers are riding in the cars with their windows down, and they're interacting with members of the community. They know the names of the people, of the citizens. The citizens know na- their names. That's really important. But, you know, from a personal accountability standpoint, one big thing that we could do is put these cell phones down and actually be a little more vigilant and look around and see what's going on. Know your neighbors. And if you see something in your neighborhood that you think is suspicious, please call 911. Give us a call. It does not hurt to call us. We'll send someone out and, you know, we will investigate it. And hopefully there's nothing to it. But if there is, please let us know and we'll come out and check it out. You, you know, you've talked about the ride-alongs, um, and, and you've even said that as, as long for your entire tenure, however long you're in this role, you will here and there do some ride-alongs. It's not part of your job, but you think that's important. Is that is that different for a police chief? Is that unusual? Um, you know, I, I think it depends. It's, it's, it's probably more unusual than not, but, you know, I'm going to commit to ride one 12-hour patrol shift once every two months. I wish I could do more. But, you know, I do a lot of events like this, and I have, sure. a, you know, I have a full-time job as well. But first of all, it's personally invigorating for me to be able to interact with the police officers and interact with the community. But also, it's great to be able to see the police department through the eyes of that police officer, see their problems, see their challenges, and be able to take that into my role as a police chief and, and really help, you know, allow that to affect some of the decisions that I make. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with new police chief Paul Noel, and uh, we got a lot more to talk about, uh, some of the challenges we have in Knoxville and also opportunities. So stay with us. We'll be right back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 
I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch all of our shows podcast on our website. Go to BroganFinancial.com and click on radio. We are privileged to have new Knoxville Police Chief Paul Noel in studio as he is acclimating to the Knoxville area. Been on the job right at two months, right? That's correct. Right at two months. So getting acclimated to the area as well. Uh, Let's talk about gun deaths uh, among young people, Chief Noel, and the racial disparity is widening. Uh, Also, the rate of gun-related deaths was more than four times higher among young people living in counties with the highest concentrated poverty than with with youth living in counties with the lowest concentration of poverty. How can we turn around gun violence in poverty-stricken areas? So, first of all, you know, what the research shows us in a city like Knoxville, about, you know, 190,000 people, that there will only be about, you know, two to 300 people in the city that are involved in crimes that will lead to gun violence and gun deaths. So I think that's really important for us to factor in how we approach targeting gun violence because, you know, all too often I hear people talk about, you know, so-called high-crime areas. And I don't like using the, that terminology because what we know, even in the areas that we call high crime, the overwhelming majority of the people that live in those areas are good, hardworking people that don't want crime involved in those er- in, in their neighborhood like anyone else. So I think it's really important for us when we look at crime to look at the areas that the crimes are occurring in, but more importantly, the individuals or the small number of individuals who are involved in committing that violent crime and where those two things overlap, the people and the places, that's where we need to target our energy. And by using analytics and by using really precision policing, intelligence-led policing, we can identify who those individuals are who are involved in violence, remove them from our community, and thus make our community safe. You know, you mentioned, Chief Noel, the, the small numbers of people that are actually committing this violence. One of the things that's talked about a lot with Knoxville is we've got, you know, I-40, and I-75 converging in Knoxville. And that's, I know at one point those were the two, the the largest, the longest east-west interstate and the largest, longest north-south interstate. I don't know if those are still true, but one thing that's been discussed in the past is the amount of bad stuff that's really transitioning through Knoxville, whether it's drugs, weapons, human trafficking. How much does that actually spill into our communities? So, you know, that's something I'm actually learning about right now. It's one of the things that I was kind of shocked and fascinated to see as I've, you know, been in this position for two months at how many, in you know, not only drugs and guns that are moving through this area because of the interstate system, but also some of the individuals that are coming down from other cities are coming, you know, coming down from, from other northern cities involved in crime and then leaving. And that's something that certainly creates a challenge for law enforcement because it's much more simpler for us to be able to respond to people and crimes that are committed by people from the area. And, and, and then they stay here. But when people come in, commit a crime, and then leave, then that makes things yeah. certainly much more challenging. Yeah, so you have a transient population there that, that's potentially impacting things. Now, you walked, Chief Noel, you walked into a department that had some ongoing internal investigations uh, such as looking into alleged racial behavior in the in the department, it seems like you were quick to enforce a no tolerance policy. What are your expectations for your department when it comes to issues of race? 
So, you know, that that's very simple, right? So we have a code of conduct at the Knoxville Police Department, and officers are expected to adhere to that. Officers will, you know, discrimination by, you know, any by, by any way, racial discrimination, sexual discrimination will absolutely not be tolerated in this organization. Um, untruthfulness will not be tolerated. But, and, you know, we, we had some disciplinary decisions that, that came down recently, I'm sure that were, that were in the news, that I think really reinforced how serious I take this. But I do want to stress that this is a really good police department. I'm proud to be a part of this organization. Right now, we are in the middle of doing a climate assessment of the organization. We actually have an outside firm that's doing a climate assessment. They're doing a survey of all the employees right now. And the second component of that is going to be focus groups within the organization to really flush out some of the information that comes from the survey to really help establish a baseline of what the culture is with the police department. And I think moving forward, that's going to really help us build a foundation that we can improve and grow this police department. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you just came in and really are diving in to learn what's going on and taking decisive, quick action with any potential issues that are there. Uh, Now, you just issued a new traffic accident policy, Chief, where police units will no longer respond to a minor traffic accident unless unless someone's been injured. Uh, So this seems to be unpopular with a lot of the residents. So what's your response to those in the community who are unhappy with the new response policy? So let me say this. This might be a little unpopular on, on social media. I've been going to two community meetings a night. I've been going around and interacting with the citizens of Knoxville. And I, I don't know who's on social media, but the, the feedback that I have personally received has been overwhelmingly positive. And I, I just want to state that because, you know, every once in a while I go on social well, media. Well, social media can be really bring out the, the two percenters, right? It's accessible. And I'm not saying that some people are not upset about it, but the, the, the people that I've spoken to, the real-life people, have been overwhelmingly positive. This is the, the, the reality of it. We handle about 9,500 of these fender benders, you know, no one injured crashes a year. That takes up about 24 officer hours per day. And we have a serious staffing shortage. So the thought process of that decision was let's reclaim those 24 hours of time per day and use that to actually improve how we respond to traffic enforcement to try to slow people down because we know people drive fast here to have our officers more visible in the community interacting with members of the community walking beats and, and, and interacting with citizens but most importantly reducing the crime rate in the city so it's recapturing that time but if someone's injured if someone needs us we absolutely will come out and help them all right and then how, how does that flow administratively with things like insurance you know do insurance companies that was one question I had. You know, do they require a police report? How does that work? So insurance companies absolutely do not need a police report to handle an accident. You know, m- most states like Tennessee allow people to exchange information without the police. And insurance companies, they do their own investigation. They're not going to pay off just on, on a police report. They're going to, if it's a claim, they're going to do their own, their own work. And all a police officer does anyway, a police officer, again, they don't have that crystal ball to see what happened. They come out, they look at the scene, and they, they look at how the vehicles are positioned, and they take the information, they take the statements from the two individuals, that, the, the two parties that were involved in the accident, and they write it down. That's all, all they do. And people could do the same thing by taking their own photographs and telling their insurance company what happened. Sure. So this is about focusing resources where you feel like they really need to be focused, reducing crime. 
and to be clear, what I heard you say there, Chief Noel, is, you know, if somebody's injured or they feel like they need the police, you'll absolutely come out there. If they need the police, if they feel unsafe, if they, you know, for whatever reason, if they absolutely need the police to come out, they will. But again, this is about providing overall better services to our community and getting our police officers engaged where they could be most effective. You know, police are called for a variety of emergencies, you know, accidents, violent crimes, home emergencies. What are some basic things that we can be doing even in our home to prepare for an emergency at home, like a fire, carbon monoxide, or weather emergency, where we can kind of prevent that? So, you know, the first thing, coming from a place like New Orleans where we have hurricanes every year, you have to have a plan. You have to have, you know, I have a AMFM radio with batteries in it and extra batteries so if you know something bad does happen you can you know tune into you know stations like 98.7 and get get real live updates on what's going on but more importantly target hard in your house as much as possible have good lighting around your house make sure your address is visible from the street and lit if i had a dollar for every time that I was on a call and I was trying to find someone's house number, but it was hidden by bushes and not 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 lit. I wouldn't be here right now because I would be retired. And <laughs> also, you know, cameras, good quality cameras on the exterior of your residence is very valuable because when something happens, it helps helps us come back behind the scenes and reconstruct what happened. We're visiting this morning with new police chief Paul Noel here on News Talk ninety eight seven WOKI. You know, with everything in our world now accessed digitally. What are some things, Chief, we can do to prevent being scammed or having our identity stolen? And are there some telltale signs that an email or solicitor is trying to take advantage of us? Absolutely. So, you know, it surprises me every time I'll get a phone call from, you know, people that I consider, you know, very influential or, you know, you think are super, you know, smooth, super smart and intelligent and they get scammed. It happens to everyone. So, first of all, if an email or a text message is too good to be true, it probably is. I just got one yesterday. I got a text message supposedly from Amazon saying that someone had uh, trying to, you know, access my account and click this link to reset my password. And it was phishing. It was they were they were trying to get my information. So if you get something like that, I recommend that you don't respond to that link. Call up that company. Call up the number that you know, not the number that they give you, because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll give you a number they want you to call, and that's not the number of the company they're trying to access your information. So call the num the number on the company website, and I think the big thing too is set up two party or uh, that two factor identification as much as you can. So you're not just logging in with a password; you're also logging in with a text message to your phone or some other, you know, process like that. Yeah, and you said earlier in that um, not only the phone number, but you mentioned don't click on the link either because that could take you to a dummy site that's made to look like the official site. It, right? ha it happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. We're visiting with uh, new police chief, Paul Noel, uh, who's moved from New Orleans. He was in New Orleans really all his life, served 25 years with the police department down there, and now he is our new police chief, so he's getting acclimated to the wonderful town of Knoxville. When we come back, we'll have more. I want to get into uh, some of the other challenges, schools back in session. We do want to talk about the homelessness in Knoxville. We'll also have our dollars and cents segment when we come back. How is inflation affecting your tax burden? So stay with us. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we have the privilege of visiting with new Knoxville Police Chief, Paul Noel. He's been here for, been on the job for a couple of months, and it's been great to have him in studio today. Uh, before we get back to Chief Noel, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. How is inflation affecting your tax burden? You know, this is an important consideration, and... As we move into retirement, it's an even bigger reminder that once you retire, it's no longer as much about how much your asset base is. It's how you take that asset base and convert it into dependable income that can serve your retirement lifestyle because you no longer have earned income. Well, when you need to generate more income, which is what we're dealing with with, with inflation numbers the way they've been, that makes you draw out more income and that can change your tax bracket and so it really highlights the decisions that we make of how and where to draw income from you know if you draw a hundred dollars out of your ira or your 401k or other retirement account most if not all of that money is taxable as ordinary income if you go down to the bank and draw a hundred dollars out from your savings account that's not a taxable event uh, if you get a dividend payment from a stock or interest from a CD, you know, you're taxed on that money if it's not in your retirement account. If you have a stock or a mutual fund or an ETF that's grown in value and you sell part of it off or all of it off, you have a, either a short or long-term gain if it's made money. Like, likewise, you have a short or long-term loss if it's lost money. So these decisions become very, very critical and intertwined. Even your Social Security decision is partly a tax planning decision because if you delay Social Security, you're delaying numbers showing up on your tax return. And there's this sweet spot that I've, I talk about all the time between retirement age and age 72 where most people that we talk to and meet with in our office can really make a lot of progress with their tax planning and be very, very smart about their taxes. And the reason it's to age 72 is, of course, age 72 is the age where you have to start taking minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. And it's about 4%. You can use kind of a ballpark estimate there. It's a little less, but that can give you a ballpark number. So to use a round number, you got a million dollars in retirement accounts. That's going to be almost a $40,000 taxable distribution that is forced once you turn set, once you're in the year, you're 72. So you lose some control. Now, there's also tax planning opportunities beyond 72, especially knowing that uh, the income, the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is expiring in three and a half years at the end of 2025. And so tax rates are going up. But the bottom line is with increased inflation, there's a need for increased income. 
and there then is a need to pull more income from your savings. And where do you pull that from? How does it impact your tax return? How does it impact your investment plan? And how do you coordinate that with Social Security decisions, your pension, and all of the other income sources you have? That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Please do check us out online, BrokenFinancial.com. Uh, we have all of our dollars and cents segments on there. If you click on radio, we have all of our radio shows podcast as well. So if you've missed part of this interview today with Chief, our new police chief, Paul Noel, you can catch it. We'll have it up Tuesday afternoon on our website. My next class is Income Planning in Retirement at Pellissippi State Community College. Uh, it is a one-night class on August the 30th. 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., so it's a two-hour class. It's, the course fee is $39 for Pellissippi. And uh, if you go to broganfinancial.com and click on Classes, you can find my full upcoming schedule. And you can also click to download a syllabus and to register. You can also call Pellissippi State directly at 539-7167. Uh, as I cover the main things you need to know about income planning in retirement. I think income planning is probably the most overlooked area in retirement planning. It's not just about how much you can draw. It's where from, how's it taxed, how do you invest for income, how do you coordinate your social security decision all of those things come into play so do check that out online broganfinancial.com click on classes i'd love to see you in that class at pellissippi state on august the 30th 6 30 p.m today we're visiting with new knoxville police chief paul noel as he's been gracious with his time to spend an hour with us and you know, according to a recent report, Chief Noel, the city found over almost 1,200 people that are experiencing homelessness in Knoxville, and that is that total is a 50% increase from last year. And we've had different great organizations on, like Knox Area Rescue Ministry. We've also talked to the city and the county about the cooperative effort between all the different branches of government and charities. But what can we be doing more to help these families and individuals out? So being honest, Jim, that's one of the big, you know, surprises coming up here to Knoxville. You know, I've, I've been up here previously for, you know, sporting events and other things like that. But the homeless population is something that really, really shocked me. The homeless population downtown, homeless population by the old city. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I think it, you know, it feels great to be able to you know, give money to individuals and, and help, you know, help individuals, and especially you see people inside the road and give them money. But I think, you, you know, my take, just my personal take with that is sometimes we're enabling behavior. I think it's important for us to support those organizations that are doing the, you know, the real hard work on the ground and make sure we support, you know, those organizations to make sure that money is used properly. Well, and one of the things that past guests have talked about on this show with CARM and with the city and the county is that there really are some great resources if, if homeless people are looking and trying to find them. And so when they're on the side of the street, that's not always the case. They're, you're enabling some sort of a behavior a lot. How do we balance safety in those types of situations? So, you know, I mean, I think the, the same thing, you know, you know, we have, you know, homeless population is certainly a need, but 
especially when you, you're you're giving money to people inside the road, there are a lot of safety factors that, that pop in. One, you know, you're interact, interacting with someone that could potentially be unstable, that could, that could be a challenge. But also, you know, I've seen this a lot driving around. You have people stopping on on-ramps to hand someone, you know, a $5 or $10 bill, and now you have the potential of a traffic accident, like we talked about the accident earlier, because when you're at these intersections, when, when you're at these ramps, you're supposed to be accelerating and going through, and not only are you creating unsafe situations, but you're contributing to the, the, the traffic problem here in the city as well. I'd like to ask you about a couple of just different things of how we can protect ourselves and be safe. You know, Knoxville really... Uh, for the most part, we're blessed with great weather. We've got lots of green space for outdoor activities. What are some steps we can be taking when looking at personal safety outside, whether it's running, being on a greenway, playing in a park? What can we be doing with personal safety? So that's a great question. I'm, I'm a big runner, I'm a big cyclist. So, you know, first of all, it's important to be, be very aware of what's going on. You know, everybody loves to run with headphones on, but you can get distracted and you do need to pay attention even when you're running, you know, especially when you're cycling, but even, you know, when you're running on a greenway, you have to really be a, pay attention and to be cognizant of where you are, what you're doing, who's around you. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I see this all the time with people, you know, pulling, you know, you know, they're, they're driving around and they're, you know, looking at their phone and not paying attention. They're not being vigilant. Being vigilant, being aware, aware of your surroundings. If you see something suspicious, give us a call. Or if you're running and you see something suspicious, you know, go around and stay away from that. Let's talk about proper protocol with a traffic stop. I mean, you know, officers, there's so, so many horrible things that happen, and so officers have to be extremely careful. Uh, the person driving the car also may feel unsafe, especially women that are by themselves and especially if they're in the evening. So talk about proper protocol. I mean, if you have a traffic stop, what, what do you want to see from the individual driving the car and then what about things like being stopped in rural areas or the lights come on? How should people handle that, especially single women? Great question. So, you know, if, you know, when you're pulled over, you know, if you get in a traffic stop, pull over in a safe place as soon as you can. If you need to drive, you know, a few minutes to get to a safe place, slow down, put your, you know, hazard lights on, give a signal to the officer that, you know, you're looking for a safe place to pull over. And, you know, I tell everyone to pull over, Turn your engine off, put your hands on the steering wheel, and, and comply with the officer. If you're not satisfied with the level of service that that officer gives you, ask to speak to a supervisor. If you're in a rural area, especially if it's an unmarked car pulling you over and you're uncomfortable, you know, go to a public place, a gas station, or somewhere else that's well lit, and, you know, call 911 as well. And, you know, the 911 operator can confirm that that is actually a police officer pulling you over. Because I've always kind of wondered chief noel you know if that were to happen to me or to my wife or one of my daughters you know i think about that you know if it, if they've got to drive several miles to get to a public place is that officer going to think that they're avoiding stopping I, but you've said several things there slow down a little bit turn your hazards on i guess that's kind of telling the officer hey i know i understand you're here and call 911 and verify. Those are great points. Absolutely. So you call 911 and, and they'll certainly let the, you know, that officer know that you're calling 911 and if 
it's a real police officer pulling you over, and we know, you know, overwhelming majority of the time it will be, that 911 operator will be able to tell you that that is a police officer pulling you over, you know, pull over to the side. Well, and then they'll be able to tell the officer, hey, they're going to go to a safe place. Absolutely. Like a public place, they've expressed that's what they're going to do. Absolutely. And, and the main thing to remember is that, you know, you know, traffic stops are very dangerous for police officers as well. Mm-hmm. So comply with the instructions. You know, we all have body cameras now, so if you're unhappy with the level of service, comply with the instructions and either ask to speak to a supervisor or you could go file the complaint and we, you know, we could take a look at the body camera footage and see what happened. I think that's all critically important. Now you said, turn off the engine, put your hands on your wheel. And I think this is where as citizens, you know, the, we hear these stories, but the vast, the, the reality is the vast, vast majority of police officers are good, good people doing a job and they have tremendous risks that they face and so i think having even if we're ticked about that we shouldn't have been stopped or what what are they doing we want to have some empathy there i think and just be very cautious with movements letting the officer i think know what we're doing every step of the way right and then you really today's world I mean, I actually saw recently where somebody got stopped and they immediately got out of the car and it wasn't a problem, but you really don't want that. That's not what you want to do. What I do if I, you know, I get pulled over and it's been a long time since I've been pulled over, but <laughs> what I, I, I tell, you know, my family members <laughs> is, you know, pull over, you know, roll your driver's side window down, turn um, your interior dome light on, turn the engine off, put your hands on the steering wheel. And what you're doing is, you know, you're signaling to the officer. They know where your hands are. And it, what you're doing is you're helping put that police officer at ease. And also, you you know, the, it's a signal to the officer that you know what's going on and you, you, you kind of respect their job a little bit. You're making their job just a little bit easier. And I think, you know, everything in life is relationships, right? And that's like that first encounter. You're making the police officer a little more comfortable. That's what I would tell everyone to do. Yeah, I remember one time I was stopped in Western North Carolina. This was years ago. And I had my whole family. My wife was in the front seat. My two kids, girls were in the back. But we were traveling to South Carolina to see my wife's family. And we had a bunch of stuff loaded up in the back in addition to in the truck. And we got stopped. And he came up to the, uh, and it was on the interstate on I-40 on those curvy, you know, going through the gorge. And he came to the passenger side, and we rolled down the wind, and I had my hands on the wheel, but I could tell how uneasy he was. It was dark. It was at night, and he was trying to see what was in the back seat because there was stuff back there, and I could tell how uneasy he was. And the reality is it's safe for us, too, if we're safe like that because the last thing we want is for something to be misinterpreted, right? Absolutely. So in every one of these traffic stops, you know, the officer, when they walk up to the car, they have no idea what's in that car. That's right. Right. So and then once they see once they illuminate the interior of their of, of the car with their flashlight, they start seeing what's going on. They see it's your, you know, your wife, your kids and a bunch of junk. Then they're going to then they're going to kind of calm down a little bit. But until they recognize that then, you know, they're going to be, you know, a, a little more heightened. In, in, in yeah, I could tell reacting. he was processing what's back there. Absolutely. And, and that's why it's so great to turn, you know, your dome your light dome on. dome light, I had not thought of that. Absolutely. So, like, when they're walking up, it kind of illuminates a little bit. Or if, you know, all four of your windows, if you have, you know, dark tint, you're not supposed to, but if you do have that dark tint, roll all your windows down so they can see in the car. What is the rule on the front windows on the tent? Up here, you know, I'm, I'm not completely sure there. If you go up, if you go on, on the state's website, they have how much light is supposed to, how much light's supposed to get through. But, you know, you're not supposed to have that much tint on your front windows at all. Yeah. We're visiting with New Knoxville Police Chief Paul Noel when we come back. 
We want to talk about school being in session and some of the risks and the things we need to be aware of as we're out and about. We're also going to talk, got to talk to Chief Noel about Tennessee football uh, just a little bit. So stay with us. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. I'm visiting with New Knoxville Police Chief Paul Noel, who's moved up here from New Orleans and getting acclimated to Knoxville, diving right in and learning about the different opportunities and challenges here in Knoxville with the police to force force and with the community uh, schools back in session what are the rules for school safety with things like school school zone speed limits buses that are stopped just a, our our need and uh, to, to just be aware and not get in too much of a hurry yeah, so, you know, there's nothing more important than the safety of our kids. So school zones slow down and follow the posted signs, but absolutely slow down. If, you know, with, with the buses, be very careful around buses. When these buses put on there, when they stop and the stop signs come out, you have to stop. Don't pass alongside those buses. Even on a, you know, four-lane undivided highway, you have to stop on both sides. So if it's divided then you don't have to stop for a bus on the other side. But if it's not divided, you still have to stop. So the bottom line, slow down, put the cell phone down, pay attention, mm. look out for little kids that are getting out of school and running with the backpack. You know, the backpacks are as big as a kid, just about, you know, look out for these kids, slow down, and please pay, pay attention. Yeah, my daughter's got two of those backpacks because she has one for all her books and one she's in cheer. And she puts one on her back and one on her front. And I <laughs> So, but, yeah, we just got to be we, – we get in such a hurry. Yes. But the cell phone thing, I mean, we have a state law now, right? We're not supposed to be on our cell phones in the car, but I guess that's still an ongoing, like, a big problem. I see it around me all the time. That's going to take many years, I think, of culture change. When you talk about culture change, people, you have to look at that phone. Please put the phone down. Pay attention, especially in the morning and the evening when the kids are running around. Now, we mentioned Tennessee football. You said you've been to a couple of games up here. I've been to two games, and I'm predicting nine and three this year after looking at the schedule for my That's amateur. That's a good analysis. prediction. Nine and three would be quite a. That'd be a really good step forward for the football team. Um, now, until you live here, I don't know that you realize the, the, the total, just how the town completely changes in the fall, and how the performance of the football team even affects the mood of the town. But talk a little bit about the uh, cooperation between the Knoxville Police Department and the University of Tennessee and the, the, the amount of hours and officers that are helping with just even just traffic and event management. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to get in Neyland Stadium and see a game. But before I do that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work that, that I need to see that goes on with, you know, inside the stadium and outside the stadium. The Knoxville Police Department handles traffic control outside the stadium. It's about a third of our police department will be working on game day just to deal with traffic. That's how big of a commitment it is. So game day is just about everybody in the department will be out there working, including me, making sure that everyone goes to see those nine victories, maybe ten, <laughs> as, uh, can safely get in and out of that stadium. Yeah, and I guess, uh, I, I mean, 
you have, this will be your first football season. I was curious as to how often the, the police department deals with unruly fans, especially after games. But that's something we just need to all be aware of. And, you know, now that they're serving beers at games and alcohol and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I've been told that the Tennessee fans are much better than the LSU Tiger fans that, <laughs> that I'm used to seeing, so I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, we're, we're going down there to LSU this year, the Tennessee football team is. Uh, real quickly, I just got about 30 seconds left. What are the, some of the things you look forward to, Chief Noel, as you lead the department? I'm s- super excited to immerse myself in the community, both personally and professionally. I've, I've met so many great people. And I am committed to this community, committed to bringing meaningful crime reduction and building meaningful relationships here in Knoxville. Well, thank you for coming on. You're very, very approachable and uh, just very kind of transparent and sharing things. That's what we need. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jim. That's uh, new police chief Paul Noel. We thank him so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you, Riley, for running the board. Thank you to Jill. For producing the show, today we've discussed safety and community because a greater community provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Check us out online, broganfinancial.com. You can click on radio and listen to all our podcasts. We're here every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again 3 to 4 p.m. Thank you so much for tuning in to More Living here on News Talk 98.7. Have a very blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.